Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ever been to Delaware? If not, now's the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com. I'm film critic Gary Cogill, along with my wife, wine expert, Haley Hamilton Cogill. Welcome to this week's Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Now, today I'm going to spend some time looking closely at the movie called The Legend of Tarzan, starring Alexander Skarsgård and the great Samuel L. Jackson. Also, Matthew McConaughey has a new film, a Civil War film called Free State of Jones. I think both movies have great trailers, but are these films actually any good? And to celebrate the 4th of July, what wines will you be drinking? I have some barbecue perfect favorites of my own, along with some good all-American suggestions for your weekend holiday festivities. Wow, all-American wines and Tarzan. And Tarzan makes sense. <laughs> okay, I, I, we saw this movie together, yes. and, and I just I'm I'm just going to throw out some comments, some bold comments about Tarzan. I think it's a wonderfully entertaining film, but I think it has a million problems. It is one of the more problematic films that I've seen all year, and the problems to me, I'm just going to spell out a few of them. One of the problems is that all of the guys in the Congo jungle, because this is tar- this is the the legend of Tarzan, and it's been made in movies uh, for for years and years, and including the great Johnny Weissmuller uh, television series back in the day and movie series in the '30s. But but this is about a Brit who is raised by uh, gorillas and then gets married, finds Jane, goes back to England, um, becomes a lord, becomes a lord, Lord Greystoke. And then goes back to the Congo, and he's all buff, and it's 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 Alexander Skarsgård yeah. from True Blood. <laughs> yeah. And every once in a while, you look at him, and he's so buff that it, that. And it's, I think its fangs are going to pop out. His fangs are going to pop out, and he looks like a superhero he in a, in an odd way. And this movie is problematic in that it's trying to root itself in history, but it, it's not really in history. It's entertainment. It's complete entertainment. I mean, yes, they start they start it with. This is what was happening during this time period right. in, in, in the world, in Britain, in Africa. But it's, I mean, no man was ever raised by, <laughs> by gorillas. It's well, entertainment. I don't know. I read some of those tabloids that <laughs> Amy Grant was raised by African wolfhounds, oh but I'm not God. quite sure. And R- Ross Perot was a, raised by space aliens. <laughs> Listen, apart from that, I love the whole Tarzan. I love the whole legend of it. I, lo- I love um, Edgar Rice Burroughs' books. But when you, when you get to the Congo, all of all of the members of the tribe in the Congo look like they're straight out of Compton. They look like they're out of another movie, and they all look like they all look like they're Hollywood guys. But and then it's uh, you know it's a great Jaiman Hans who is the head of the tribe. All of the animals are computer generated, but they look pretty good. The animals looked awesome. They looked really really good. I don't think this movie's on the legend or on the on the same level as uh, as the Jungle, Jungle Book, Book as well. But 
everything I'm going to say wrong about it, and especially the head of one tribe speaks perfect English, <laughs> and it's real odd. And then they make fun of things. There's a there's a reference in the movie to Blazing Saddles. There's a joke, and it's a great Christoph Waltz is the bad guy in it. Of course, he's got a rosary that he kills people with. <laughs> made from spider webs. <laughs> made from spider webs. There's just all kinds of odd stuff. And every once in a while, I'd sit there and I'd go, this is just going to fall apart. And then it's kind of fun and entertaining because it's a real, it's an old-fashioned B-movie. It's like, reminding me of uh, Sinbad and the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and those old movies. So in that sense, I think it has a high entertainment value when it's trying to be historic and historical because it's written by the guy that wrote Hustle and Flow. Really? Oh, really? I didn't realize that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. yeah. So they, there's all these, uh, there's all these, you know, civil war and racial tones and slavery references throughout the whole thing, hmm. and it kind of never earns that right because it's really just a B movie. Anyway, that that's kind of my take on the Legend of Tarzan. I'd rather talk wine with you. I'd rather talk red wine with you. Well, it's perfect if you think about what you have on your your barbecue. And I will say, I love Tarzan just because I thought it was fun. You did. You got teary-eyed. I in did. It. Well, you know, I like animal movies and I thought it was sweet. I, I I don't know. Yeah. I'm not the critic, but No, but no, but you're right because it celebrates it celebrates nature a lot. It did. That's I mean, the there were there were film. some obviously CGI'd animals, but it yeah. was just beautiful and and for anyone who's who's gone on safari and has seen these animals, it's just kind of a it's kind of a cool thing to yeah. to to experience that. And and even if it's through a film, it's I thought it was but the animals aren't real. I know they're not real. <laughs> I know, but it's just the idea. Oh, look at the elephant. It took me back to when, you know, you come upon a, a, a tribe of, of elephants or, or wild giraffe. Because and, you've been there. You've been on some. Listen, this is what I love about you. It's. I thought it was sweet. Um, okay, so barbecue weekend. If All you right. think about what's going on for 4th of July, most people are going to have their... The grills going and and friends and family over and I think that all of the kind of hearty meats so your briskets or your sausage or your ribs or anything you might have on your barbecue grill that's big red wine pairings I would say something like a, a Syrah or a Zinfandel there's one I tried not too long ago called Ed Mead's Red Folly from Mendocino County yeah which was a really really interesting wine it's it's a blend of Zinfandel Syrah and Petite Syrah, so very hearty, spicy, smoky, peppery kind of flavors, really, really good with, um, you know, that kind of grilled meat or, yeah. or, or even smoked brisket, that sort of thing. Um, had uh, a couple years ago, I got to travel to the Languedocovitz in the southern part of France, and they're known for their old vine Grenache, or Grenache, um, it's Grenache in Spain, and it's all of this really, this highly, highly concentrated, because these vineyards are you know, upwards of 90 or 100 or 110 years old um, that that can produce this very, very intense, highly, you know, very concentrated wines. Um, and then again, not too long ago, when I was in Spain in the, the Toro region, where they have either Tinta de Toro or Old Vine Granacha. And again, these really, really big wines, a couple that I loved um, was Leon Baral, who farms almost like biodynamically plus a thousand. He's <laughs> Dieter Baral's is so kind of um so clean and and 
very green and and how he makes his wines. Um, and then you know I love my Numantia from from the Toro region of Spain. Really, really bold wines with um, lots of, of finesse, though. Lots of they're they're big and hearty, but there's also some beautiful, beautiful kind of elegance and a delicate touch. Just because of of really of really great care of these vines, which is pretty cool. Okay, what about American? Well, and so that's if you if you look at some of the kind of American offerings, we had a chance not too long ago to go out to Napa, and um, we were there for auction Napa Valley, which is such a fantastic, fantastic um, fundraising event that the Napa Valley Vintners puts on. But we had a chance to have kind of an aha moment. Like I don't get excited. Well, I do, of course, get excited seeing celebrities, but I get so completely geeked out meeting great winemakers and incredible vintners because of of that's my passion. That's so, your Harrison Ford. It is. It is. And so we had a chance to have lunch with Andy Beckstoffer and his son David Beckstoffer, who has recently started making Kata, which is his own yeah. wine. But Andy Beckstoffer is kind of a, a legend in Napa Valley for 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 growing incredible, incredible Cabernet Sauvignon. And and he's very, very particular. He's a very clean farmer. And and kind of Andy never wanted to to be a winemaker. He just wanted to take great care of these heritage vineyards that also have 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 roots dating back to the 1800s, you know, like like some of his vineyards. The Bourne Vineyard, I think, um, was originally planted in, 19, in 1878, and and the the Tokalon Vineyard that he has a, a portion of just really really incredible fruit. And then his son David recently started making Kata, that is from the Bourne Vineyard in Saint Helena. So it's a big, you know, classic Napa Valley Cabernet, but there's also such elegance. And and when we had lunch, we tried several of them, and that was your favorite. Well, that kata just knocked me out. It's also pretty pricey stuff. <laughs> well, and and Andy Andy really was also one of the ones that that said, you know, fair pay for workers, right. and and he's and fair pay for vintners, and kind of raised the bar at the time back. And he's he's been doing this for over forty years, but raised the bar of how you not only treat your vineyards, but how you treat your workers. Well, I think anything made with Beckstopper gra- uh, grapes yeah. is on the highest level. I mean, and, it's a privilege to drink those Absolutely. Wines. And and kind of one of his things mm. is that if you buy his fruit, then his name always goes on that label. And, and you know, mm. people, anyone who's buying that fruit kind of want to wants to put his his name on the label because you automatically know the quality is going to be there. One more great American that I just love because it is, if you're maybe a salmon lover, if that's what's on your grill this week, drink a Pinot. Um, we love David Adelsheim, who's from Willamette Valley. He has a brand new one that is coming out um, in July. And so it's going to be available as of right now that is called Breaking Ground, and it's his first new wine introduced, I think, in over 30 years from Shahela Mountain Fruit. So it's not a single vineyard. It's a blend of, of different vineyards, but all Shahela Mountain in Willamette Valley. Really, really light, nice, and it's it definitely has the, the classic Willamette Valley, Oregon, Pinot notes of earthiness, but also lots of wild strawberry and some nice soft herbs. Really, really beautiful wine. I'm so excited that that David 
it's introduced this and, and that it's going to be available now. I'll drink anything with Adelsheim's I name know. on it. We're, He's the nicest guy in the world. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're we love, so, we so excited. And then uh, uh, Mac McDonald. Oh, well, and that's another, if you are a Pinot fan and maybe you like um, California fruit instead of Oregon fruit, um, I think often California Pinots maybe have a little bit more um, a little bit more fruit forward, whereas some of the Oregon ones can be a little bit earthier. Um, we have such a dear friend that we've gotten to know over the years called Mac. His name is Mac McDonald. His wine is called Vision Cellars. Started, Mac's a good Texan, started as a, as a son of a moonshiner in East Texas and, and his mom gave him some blackberry wine at, at one point and he said, this is what I want to do. And then, fell in love with great Burgundies, which led to great California Pinot. And he's one of of a handful of African-American winemakers in the country, which is still kind of shocking that that I think he's maybe one of seven or eight or nine at this point, um, but really just loves great Pinot Noirs. His Gary's Vineyard Pinot is one of, I know, your favorites. Well, that's because it's named after me. Well, uh, <laughs> don't tell Gary Pisoni. But um, and Rosella's, and and then he he brings in some Marin County fruit. Uh, but but just a a great passionate guy. He's also he he worked in California on, in the railroad industry for many years and kind of started this as a side business. And bless his poor sweet wife Lil. I think that Lil thought that they'd do this for a handful of years, and now I, I want to say they've been doing it upwards of of what ten, fifteen, twenty years, and and yeah. she, and. She She's like, when are we going to retire and, and right off into the sunset? But well, I, th- I think these are, these are great wines. They're beautiful These wines. are great wines for grilling. And they're great. Exactly. Yeah. They're great. great. They're great wines for a barbecue. They're also, but just keep them in mind, I think they're great with any kind of holiday meal. I think any kind of, of special, special meal that you're going to share with family and friends, throw one of these out there and... I can't say Tarzan is a great film, but I, I will know. say it's entertaining, <laughs> and Haley loved it. By the way, when we come back, uh, Oscar-winning Texas actor Matthew McConaughey is going to tackle a rare unknown story. It's about the Civil War. It's directed by Gary Ross. And Haley comes back with some lighter wines to recommend for the 4th of July holiday. It's not always about big, fat reds when <laughs> wine and film, a perfect pairing, continues. And we're back on A Perfect Pairing, and um, Haley, we talk about big, fat red wines all the time, like Cabs and Syrahs and Red Zins. And to be honest, I, I love the big red wines, but we're going to get to some lighter wines in a minute. Can we talk about this Matthew McConaughey film? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Free State of Jones. We saw this film together, too, man. And um, I'm going to say right up front, it's a great history lesson because he he plays uh, he plays a guy that I didn't know anything about Newt Knight uh, back in 1863 is a very poor white Mississippi farmer who fought for the Confederate side got fed up and bas- basically um, ran away ran away from battle and formed a group of people um, slaves other poor white farmers people that were completely disenfranchised and kind of formed his own militia. And, and he's a fascinating... And, and went and, and fought the Confederates. And, and, yeah. He's a rebel against a rebel. rebel. He's a rebel rebel. <laughs> and and what's interesting about him, I find him fascinating. I, I find the film directed by Gary Ross to be almost kind of boring to watch as a film. In fact, I think an hour into it, I, I looked at you and I said, this is the slowest Civil War film I think I've ever seen. Not that it has to have pop and sizzle all the time to it. 
And yet, every time I'm watching the film, I'm interested in what I'm watching. I'm just not very entertained by it. Mm-hmm. And also, the film is completely infatuated. Gary Ross directed Sea Biscuit, which I think is a much better film. And and he did uh, Hunger Games, the first one. I think that's a better film than this. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say all these things that are wrong with it, but it makes me want to read more about that story. And also, McConaughey is very good in the film. He's He's completely, he's kind of, sullen and sunken and you know he's he's poor and he, they don't eat very much and they're just they're all, they're almost like walking dead and and they're they're fighting and they don't want to fight anymore but everyone around him is as interesting as he is and they they kind of cliff note everybody mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. his wife is kind of a cliff note. Mm-hmm. Both wives. Oh, also, mm-hmm. isn't it fascinating about Newt Knight? Newt had two wives. He had a black wife and a white wife, and they had kids, and they all lived together. Mm-hmm. That's that's another movie. Right. I'm fascinated by that. And I was really concerned going into a Civil War film that it was going to be the white guy rescues everyone. The white guy. We we have a lot of these films, and they're they're becoming numbing to me. Mm-hmm. That that the really cool white guy comes in and rescues a black culture, and that's really not this film. I mean, everybody in this film holds their own weight. It's just the film does not explore all of them. Right. Yeah. I I I think it's. I think it's a real interesting film. It's gotten pretty much ripped in the press. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Tarzan's been really ripped in the press. But um, Tarzan is an entertaining value film. This has a low entertainment value, but a high intellectual content. Right. I, that doesn't happen in films very often. Right. Well, and I love, I mean, I'm such a history buff and and love a good kind of historical drama. And and I, I think it was just kind of interesting that they didn't flesh out, they didn't flesh out the characters enough, but they also, it, it was, they just didn't talk enough about how how all of these people can all of a sudden agree to to live and work together. And if this is supposed to be a historical drama, is that really what happened? Is that really what happened? Yeah. They make one see they cliff notes everything. Yeah. They make one reference that they're all not that the whites and the blacks in this little militia that he's formed are not getting along. Right. For the most part, they're all camping out together and you know hanging out and basically around a campfire and sharing food and all that stuff. And I and I think it was probably much more difficult than that. Absolutely. And and then there's there's always there's these flash forwards in the movie where they flash forward to a a, a trial. Uh, I, th- I want to say in the fifties, probably. Uh, uh, about whether it was legal for uh, um, a white to marry a black woman, right? And and which was which is true. And so there's all these references in that family but lineage. It, but to it that. probably wasn't necessary. That whole the whole flash forward. I don't. It, it, I I understand that the, the the family obviously went through it, right. but it just didn't. It seems like they could have maybe fleshed out the characters. Or even just the storyline, and yeah. and and why? So if if this free state of Jones actually existed, how you know why people even went to fight in the beginning for these plantation owners, yeah. and and why these very very poor white farmers that that really didn't have anything more than than any of their you know African American yeah. friends how, why why would you go and fight for people that that aren't going to that would never you, you know they're never going to treat you with any respect ever 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 and and, and almost and they didn't right. and they still didn't even even after the war was well over. and that was also the sad part then you know you you get so after the war is the over reconstruction was awful it was awful it was awful and they again they kind of touch on it but then 
mm-hmm. move along. And you know, when you're watching battle scenes in there, and people are dying, and there's horrible things happening, and uh, everything you can think typical in a Civil War film, and especially about slavery, about fighting slavery, and, and you're kind of emotionally distant from all of it, yeah. no matter how difficult that film gets. I mean, I sat there and I wanted to, I wanted to weep. I mean, I, I was so touched by 12 Years a Slave that I, it was a hard film to watch. And mm-hmm. it should be hard. Mm-hmm. This is not a hard film to watch. And you should be more touched it by it. It should be. Anyway. Hey, should so it? can we talk wine a little bit? I was going to say, so yeah, well, <laughs> I should transition off of that. But that's what's great about us and our marriages. We do this at home all the time. We talk <laughs> movies and then we talk about wine. But listen, uh, the 4th of July, we talk about all these big fat reds. But uh, you and I drink lighter wines a lot. We do. Well, we drink, I think that there's, alcohol levels have gotten so high in a lot of wines because fruit is getting riper and... I guess then you have to believe in climate change, which personally I do. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you you have these very very high alcohol contents, and so many of these reds that just make them very difficult to drink. And so we do drink a lot of either lighter reds, often Pinot Noirs. Old world wines have have a lower alcohol. There's just uh, I think that it's it's traditionally not as warm in some of these. You know, and I say old world, so France, Italy, mm-hmm. Spain, Germany. Um, and so alcohol content is lower, which this make them more approachable and more food friendly. But then we do drink a lot of either white wines and a lot of rosé. Hey, I'm going to say as a guy, a rosé on a hot summer day in Texas when it's 100 out. It's perfect. It's perfect. And so Well, because I think you get the nuances of a red wine without the weight. So you, because a rosé is made from a traditional red wine grape and so you're gonna have some of these really really nice light rosé wines a few that i love um domaine ott as well as miraval both from uh provence the kind of land of of classic rosé is it miraval it's the yes it's it's the brad and angelina rosé from from provence because they donate some of the profits yes yeah yes and um it's really good it's beautiful and then from another one from willamette valley though that we love rosé of pinot noir from stoller i think it tastes like strawberries and watermelon and tangerines and it's so good why do i like the lighter color rosés because you're it's traditionally you're not going to have this the fruit on the skin as long you're going to press them pretty quickly because the, the skin is actually what gives the color to the, the color. rosé so it's not going to you know the tannins on skin there's tannin in skins so it's traditionally going to be a little bit lighter flavor and and just not as intense i like that it, well i think that it, it i think that there's a range of of everything also the lighter wines also sometimes are made from lighter Grapes, so a rosé made from a Sangiovese or a Tempranillo will be a, a darker red just because it's a hardier red wine um, grape. I tend to like also, uh, in this hot weather, a good Sauvignon Blanc. I just don't like the big grapefruit bombs. We, I agree. I agree. And there are a few that we love. We had one the other night from Ladera, which is up in Napa Valley. That's beautiful it's wine. It's so, it just, it had this, it had a lot of citrus, but it also had these tropical pineapple flavors. And, and we paired it with just a lovely little salmon with kind of a, a, a wasabi pea kind of puree that was just, it was the perfect little balance. I thought it was beautiful. Another one, we had a chance to visit Kuvayasan uh, not too long ago out in Napia. And their solitaire, Carnero Sauvignon Blanc from the solitaire vineyard, just beautiful, really light, nice and kind of grassy, and um, still had some of that nice citrus, but not the big grapefruit punch, because I'm not as much, we, we tend to not like the, the big 
intense ones as much. Yeah. Hey, uh, I've got a couple surprise questions for you when we come back, Ooh. and I, I assume you do. We're, we're, we're going to take a little break on A Perfect Pairing. Surprise questions for Haley. Uh, it might not have to do with barbecue, and it might not have to do with wine. So get ready for this. I'm sure the same goes for her. We'll be right back. Hello again, and welcome back to Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm Gary Kogel, along with Haley Hamilton Kogel. We talk about wine, we talk about film, and I'm going to throw a random question at you, Haley. So here we go. For a guy who loves barbecue, and I do, we live in Texas. It's some of the greatest barbecue in the world, if not the best. But, but gosh darn it, sometimes I just want an ice-cold beer. And, I, and I'm, I'm finding the more wine I drink, the more I'm starting to like beer. Well, I love that. Is that is that odd? Do you find this a lot? I would I would say sometimes it's the opposite because it's hard hard sometimes to get guys to drink wine when when they're so used to drinking oh, beer. Oh, I flip flop the whole thing but, with you. Yeah, but I think that um, it seems the beers that you like are are more kind of the artisanal craft beers. A lot of our our local Dallas um, breweries you you seem to like a lot of good Hawaiian beers that we love. But but a good IPA or, or something that has a little bit of weight um, that's not just your typical kind of. I, I don't want to say brands, but your light American beers. You want something that has a little bit more character. Oh, some of them are like flavored water. <laughs> and, I'm, and I've been a connoisseur of those beers. But all of a sudden, I'm finding that maybe it's my palate because of wine, because I'm exploring wine with you in our world together, that when I explore wine, I... I Often in talking to winemakers with you, they want to go have a beer. Well, I think that at the end of, of any day that, you, that you've been tasting wine or making wine or it, it, working in, in a winery or in a vineyard, you're, if you're tasting wine all day, your palate gets exhausted. And all you want is something light and, and bubbly. And, and I, you know, I, when I, uh, if you think about anything that you would would drink a beer with, though, you could also drink a champagne with. And so, yes. I tend to, or a sparkling wine, any kind of sparkling wine that that you love, um, because it's it's just traditionally going to be a little bit lighter, and it's still going to have a lot of flavor. It's still going to have a lot of character, but maybe not the the weight of some still wines. And sometimes I just want a Moscow Mule or a, well, sure, or a martini or a dirty martini, a super dirty martini like, like last night. All right, what do you what do you have? For me. So I know, and this is so much fun because because you have interviewed Matthew McConaughey so many times over the years. I have, and and it always seems when you've interviewed him that that he plays well and he and he reacts well and he he gets into his interviews. Is that accurate? Is he is he a good? All interview? right, all well, right. You <laughs> so here's the deal with him, and he's either good or horrible. Really? And if he's in a really good film, it's a fantastic interview. Um, Mel Gibson was like that for years. But every once in a while, when he was, when I used to remember back in those bad romantic comedies, like with J-Lo and some of those films, he, he, he got a bad, he was in a bunch of bad films for a long time, kind of became an industry joke. Mm -hmm. And I would ask him a question, and he would take 30 seconds of just looking around the room, wow, Gary, you know, and he'd... Starting to sound like Al Pacino, but he 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 would not, and he'd look around the room and grandstand everybody, and then finally look at me, and I'd say, you know, Matthew, I'm right here. Can we talk? I'm right here. 
Let's go downtown to Chinatown. I'm eye to eye right here. And then, but lately, he, I think he's I think he's turned it on. So he's either been he's either a really wonderful interview or he's one of the worst in the world. And I, I think it depends on how good the film. If you're going to interview him about Free State of Jones, that's probably a really great connection. Mm-hmm. Or Dallas Buyers Club, mm-hmm. or really any of the films he's done the last few years. What uh, was the, uh, the, in Louisiana that he did with? What two was boys? that little film with the two boys? What was that, that called? Oh, I'll have to think of that. But that was such a good movie. That was it. That was it. Was like a one word title, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Where he had the canoe up in the tree. In the tree. Oh, it's such a good film. He's and been making better films. We're bringing up films that I can't remember now. I'm Sorry. having a roadblock. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you another question. So, um, I know you as a, a, a as a wine expert. I also know you as a wonderful cook. But I know that you don't eat meat. You, you'll eat some turkey and you'll eat some chicken, mm-hmm. but you don't eat beef and you don't eat red meat. Right. And I've never seen you take a bite of that. I've seen you cook it a hundred times. So is that a roadblock if you don't eat meat but you cook meat? How, it, well, that's what I have you for. <laughs> I'm the taster. Exactly. No, I think that um, I, I there was a time that I did eat meat. So I and and when I learned how to cook, and so I know how how to cook a, a medium-rare steak. But I also think, and I love to be adventurous. You know, the first time I cooked rack of lamb, I had never, I, I never ate it, but... And it was fabulous. Well, and I'm also when we have dinner parties, there, you know, my my hero Ina Garten always says, never trust, try out a new recipe with with when you have guests coming over, and that's usually the only time I try out new recipes. But but it's just because I I always have you in the kitchen with me to taste everything. You know, I've, you watch people on the Food Network, and you think, oh, they're not eating their own food, and you always kind of wonder about them. But that's not that's not you because you eat everything other than. Yes, than than red other meat. Other than that, other than red meat, and and I think you it's, cook a fabulous tenderloin. Well, and if you just know how to, I think that the the you have to figure out. You have to know if you're going to cook how to yeah. season, and as long as you as you understand that, then then you can usually figure out anything, yeah. and then. That's why I have you to well, taste test. Well, that's the test. answer. I'm the, t- I'm the taste tester. You're the tester. taste test. That's, that's a good You're thing. You're the taste test. Hey, can I, bring up a, can I bring up a weird Tarzan? Absolutely. Do you mind if I bring it up? So there's this documentary out there uh, made by a guy from Louisiana, and, and the documentary is called Tarzan, Lord of the Louisiana Jungle, because back in 1918, it was a silent—they made a Tarzan movie about, 60, about 90 miles, 60 miles west of New Orleans in Morgan City. And in Morgan City, all this film crew came in in 1918. They made a silent movie about Tarzan, and they import, they came in on on railroad cars, and they brought their whole crew, and they brought a whole bunch of chimpanzees, a bunch of animals. And then when they were finished making this silent movie, they hired all the locals as extras. They were all the the jungle folks. Um, they let the chimps go in Louisiana, and for years. They didn't take them back. They didn't take care of the animals. They just let them run wild. It's insane. And for it's insane. And for years they let there were chimp sightings <laughs> around Morgan City, <laughs> which oh makes gosh. you feel bad for the animals. It's horrible. I hope some of them became good pets, but I think some of them were pretty large. I well, yeah. So they they were let go kind of on the bayou. That's that's quite terrible. But if you can find this film, it's a documentary. It plays at film festivals every once in a while. It's called Tarzan, Lord of the Louisiana Jungle, and it's about the making of this 1918 silent film. And I, I think the only copy of it left of the silent film, if you can find it, is uh, probably 60 minutes long. Wow. I've never seen the original all the way through. I've just seen bits and pieces of it. 
But this documentary is great. Hey, really fun talking today. Isn't that fun? This was a great, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Today was a, a great day. Um, just want to say if you have, if anyone would like any information on any of these films or wines that we talked about, check out our Perfect Pairing blog. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill and me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And we hope you'll join us next time. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill. As usual, I'm looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on A A Perfect Perfect Pairing. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ever been to Delaware? If not, now is the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com.